Hey, this is Tyler Bassett from InfluenceAndScale.com. And if you want to build a brand that matters, you should be listening to the Brands on Brands on Brands podcast with my good friend, Brandon Berkmeyer. In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, 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 what's up, everyone? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal marketing coach, and I believe that building a brand that matters is the only way for a business to thrive tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in each week as we bring you the thought leaders in marketing and branding, the speakers, the coaches, the authors that have been doing this and teaching this to people like us every day to help us move forward in our businesses. Thank you for tuning in. I do appreciate your time. And if you are new to the show, go to brandonbrands.com forward slash B team. That'll get you on our list so that you can get these new episodes and content sent to your inbox each week. It's free. It's there for you. It's a resource. Otherwise, just visit the site and check out the freebies we have there. Let's get into it. Today is an interview with another great marketing mind, especially in the realm of content marketing. And I'm excited to dive into that topic today. Our guest, his name is Tyler Basu. And as a content marketing strategist for six to seven figure businesses, I thought, hey, maybe this guy can help you, can help us, can help me even uh, figure out how to break down content marketing. He helps facilitate the creation of content, the repurposing of content, and the promotion of content. Obviously, you need all three of those things. How do you make it? How do you do it consistently? How do you get it after you created it out to all the places it needs to go in all the right formats? And then how do you get people to find it? That's what we get to talk about today. Things that help you drive qualified leads and traffic into your business. This is something I'm hugely focused on right now. It's especially why I wanted to bring him into the show. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of background. I mean, since 2013, Tyler's published over a thousand pieces of evergreen content online, driving millions of views, tens of thousands of leads, and thousands of customers for different clients and companies. He's also written dozens of online publications, four dozens of online publications, including articles for Entrepreneur, for Founder, for Influensive, for Youpreneur, Funnel Magazine, and the list goes on. And uh, not only that, he's built his own company called Influence and Scale, which is at influenceandscale.com, where they offer lots of free resources as well as marketing trainings, marketing resources. He has a podcast called Influence and Scale. And there you can find things like you know a free content strategy assessment. Uh, you can look for ways to work with him in terms of your marketing, uh, applying for marketing services that help you create content for your business. Whether you want to learn it from him on how to do it yourself or you want him to do it for you, uh, those are all things that they take on there. So that's exciting. And how you know I discovered Tyler personally was, you know, I go to some conventions here or there, and one of the marketing conventions out there uh, is about podcasting. And Tyler was speaking on two different panels uh, at one of the conventions called Podfest, where he was helping podcasters figure out A, you know, how to use social media, but B, how to not just create social media, but how to make money off of it, how to monetize your business behind your content. And uh, just obviously a guy who has lots of bright ideas in the game of content marketing. 
And today we talk about why it's important to build content marketing into your business, how to create it consistently, how to use it, and how to build it the right way. You know, all the the schemes and strategies you need to make this actually work for your business, to be a, a part of your marketing system. So without any further ado, let's talk to our guest today, Tyler Basu. Here we go. Brands on Brands. All right, let's get going. I'm excited to bring to you our guest today, Tyler Basu. First off, thank you. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, it's a pleasure, man. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, the reason I'm excited is that I get asked this question all the time, which is how do you create content consistently? Such a simple question, but I also feel like it's such a loaded question. And today we get to talk about that. We get to dive into this idea of content. What does it mean for businesses, for entrepreneurs? Uh, so let's set the stage there a little bit, and then we'll get into some like, you know, why we're talking to you about this and whatnot. But let's set the stage. What's the value of good content and content strategy? Why is this important? Well, here's the thing. Pretty much everyone is a content creator now. <laughs> so the fact that you're like publishing content, I mean, anyone with a phone can do it. Whether you're, you know, you're, you're, you're active on social media or you want to do your own YouTube channel or you're a blogger, whatever the case is, the barrier to entry is so low that you basically have competition. Like no matter what industry you're in, no matter what business you're in, no matter what niche, no matter what you're talking about, there's a really good chance other people are also talking about that same thing. So just being a content creator is not really an advantage being a good content creator with a strategy of how that's going to serve you and help attract clients for your business or customers for your business, that's what is required to make it work. Otherwise, you're just adding to the noise and you may never get the results that you want from your content if you don't go into it knowing uh, how to get those results and have the strategy for getting those results. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, what I like to to push out there to people is that, that there's power in understanding like what your voice is, whether it's you as a, a human or you as a business mm-hmm. or you, maybe your business and you are kind of the same and you are your business, but something about finding your voice and finding what you stand for and what your message is, there's, there's power to that, but it's harder than it sounds, you know, cause there's so many places to create that. But why do you think people don't get started doing it? I mean, they've heard this story. This isn't new. What do you think keeps people from starting? Uh, possibly the, the fear of the feedback. Like if you feel that you haven't perfected your story or perfected your message, you are trying to avoid the trial and error of working through that because in that trial and error phase, you might get some feedback you don't like or attract some people that aren't the right people for you. And, you know, I don't really know of a, of a shortcut or a way to dodge that phase. Like, I just think you have to accept that creating progress for for your business and for your marketing or for your life in general is more important to you than getting it perfect. And just accept from the beginning, like give yourself permission to be imperfect. Give yourself permission to possibly say something that offends somebody over there or doesn't resonate with this person over here. And that's okay because there's no, like you can't go lock yourself in, in, in a basement and not interact with the real real world and then come out of there with a perfectly refined message. Like refinement is made by taking action and getting feedback. And then you like adjust based on the feedback and learn from the feedback. So see it as a gift. Like if, if it's the fear of feedback that is holding you back, just see it as a gift. Some of my best pieces of content that got like the most views also had the most negative feedback. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for it. I learned from it and it happened like literally in proportion 
to the amount of people that saw the content, there's always a percentage that maybe aren't going to resonate with it. So I would just like make peace with that, accept that. And if you can just prioritize making progress over trying to be perfect from day one, go for the progress and don't, you, you may never get the perfection. Funnily enough, you may think something's perfect, put it out there. And then somebody points out that it's actually not, and they didn't like it. So you might as well just give up on trying to be perfect in, yeah. to begin with. You know, it's funny. And, and people say that, right? They're, you know, like, but yeah. one is better than perfect. But I think what people miss is all the time we spend thinking doesn't help us become clear in where we're going. And it's actually by taking action and by doing it and by using your voice that you find it and by taking action in something that you learn the skills you need to, to get better at something. And I oh, think yeah. that's, that's the clarity that's a great point. don't figure out is that you actually have to do something. You can't just think about going to the gym. You actually have to start going to the gym every day. Getting started is way harder than just making a quick pivot or adjustment. So if you're already doing stuff, if you're already making stuff happening, putting content out there, and you want to take it in a different direction, easy to do that. Motivating yourself to start from scratch and attempt something for the first time, a little bit harder. Yeah. Well, I I wanted to nerd out on some tactics today, but let's start with maybe some high level principles, like things that you'd say are like, these are the things you need to like to know that makes sense in understanding the content marketing like world. Sure. And and we're speaking like to entrepreneurs or people that are trying to get customers and like get sales online with their content or, or, or the hobbyists and yeah, no, if, someone, for fun. if someone's out there trying to build their business yeah. with content. Okay, cool. The biggest mistake is not defining the types of content that it's going to take for you to guide somebody all the way through from like first learning about who you are and becoming aware of you and the fact that your business exists to then considering working with you and then making the decision of if they want to buy from you or not. Do they want to buy your course or sign up for your coaching or hire you for services, whatever the case is. There's those three stages that a consumer goes through in every in every industry. Like you, you don't get to shortcuts. The, this is a, what many people call the buyer's journey or the customer journey. They have to figure out who you are, consider what you've got, and then decide if it's the thing they want to buy. And there's content that can do the each of those jobs. So the mistake that people make is the most common one that I've seen is that they're creating the content that gets attention and completely dropping the ball on having the content or the pages or the funnels or whatever it is that's required to convert the attention into an actual customer. I was once in line with uh, at a podcasting conference a few years back, and I was talking to the person in front of me in the lineup. And you know, he had a podcast, I'm asking about his show and how's it going. And guy had over a million downloads on his show. I said, that's freaking awesome. Like, not, you know how many, the average podcaster gets like, like 100 downloads or something. This guy has a million. I said, that's amazing that you have the attention of a million people. That's really freaking hard to do. And you've done it. So kudos. What's the business model behind that? Like, you know, what are you doing? Are you generating revenue? Like, what's in it for you here? And he says, oh, no, I'm just, uh, that's why I'm at this event. I'm trying to learn how to get sponsors for my show. I said, oh, man, you have a million people that you have the attention of and you haven't figured out how to extract a customer or, or revenue from that. I'm not trying to make the guy feel bad. This is the same story that I've heard from bloggers that have built their audience and they're not they're not making any money. YouTubers that have a million views on a video and they're making pennies from like Google AdSense or whatever. The mistake that they're making is they they created the content that got them attention, but they never created the content 
that gave that person a path to become a, a, a customer for something. Even if they don't have their own products and services, they could have at least like become an affiliate for somebody else's and pointed them towards that, like the recommendation of a product or service. So if you're first and foremost an entrepreneur and you do have a product or service to sell and your goal is like create content that brings in revenue, yes, create the plan for generating awareness for your business, but make sure you've also thought through like, once you have somebody's attention, what do you want them to do next? What's the type of content or resource you're going to give them in exchange for their contact info? So you actually have a lead now that's considering working with you. And then what content are you going to use to help convert that lead into the sale? And so not having those parts of the process defined and, and created, that's probably the biggest mistake that I've have seen entrepreneurs make and would hope that I help them avoid. Now I've seen, I mean, the idea of taking content, then figuring out the next step, which is, you know, how do we convert them into a customer? I'm curious what your take is on like what I know every business will have to choose the right model for them. It seems like the most common model, the most popular model, that's not a bad thing, is the idea of some kind of ad that pushes you to, you know, you said lead magnet, obviously a free resource. Uh, whether it's a downloadable something or, you know, a video type educational thing mm -hmm. uh, in a webinar form that then tries to get people to sign up for a phone call or then, you know, a sell, whatever the thing might be. Is that still the, the model? Like, how would you describe like what is what seems to be still popular or at least what still seems to be working right now for people? Yeah, there's a, it's a really good question. And there's no there's no one size fits all like funnel or model that works in every business or makes sense for every business or works in every industry. So if anyone tells you, hey, you have to do a webinar funnel or you have to do a free challenge or you have to do a free trial or whatever the, the advice is, if they're saying, hey, you have to do this, I would like disregard that advice immediately <laughs> and ask yourself, like, is that the right choice for my business? And so I, rather than tell somebody, okay, this is the type of funnel that's working right now, I would rather like help people think through what type of funnel makes sense for them. How do you do that? Because I know you actually help people with this. This is one of the things that you help people do. It's not your primary business, but it, you do help people that need that because they can't hire you for content strategy and marketing without it. So how do you like sit down with someone and figure out what's right for them? So it starts with defining like who's the actual customer you're trying to get. Are you selling to another business? Are you selling to a consumer? What are you selling them and what price point? Like answer those questions first. Once you have the answers to those questions, then you ask, what's the sales process? Is my sales process that I get on the phone and I do a free consultation or like a strategy session or something? Is my sales process a free trial because I have so I sell software? Is my sales process visit the sales page for my digital product? You know, and I'm not taking a phone call or there's no free trial. Like, what's the mechanism that converts somebody that's like they're, at, they're ready to buy from you and they just need to see what the offer is? Define how you're going to present that offer to them. So sometimes it's content. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a phone call or like a free trial. And sometimes it's content like a webinar pitched your product or a sales page pitched your product or whatever. So define that based on what you think, like how, how you think your target market would actually want to look at the product or service that they're buying for the price point that it's selling at. You wouldn't get somebody to watch a one-hour webinar to sell them a $10 t-shirt. There's a huge disconnect there. Like a checkout page would do. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> yeah, I think that that's important. I don't think people think through the like, okay, I have all these choices, but now what? I don't know yeah. which way to go. But I think, I mean, what I'm hearing, what I like is if you can push rewind, if you want to like capture what you missed here, which is that if you have something that's higher ticket, what does it take to sell that? It's, it might not just be a, a, like a quick sales page. You might have to do a little bit of on the phone sales, building rapport, understanding someone's problems and fears and taking them through why they might need something in person to sell mm-hmm. something that's five, $10,000. And like, so depending on the level of handholding you need to do with, to get them to trust you to spend, then you're going to define what these levels are. Am I interpreting that right? Yeah, no, that's a, that's, that's a great way to, to summarize it. So once you've defined your sales process, and again, it could involve content, it might not. At the very, like, and if you're selling on the phone, there's content that salespeople can lean on. Like, they, if you can give a salesperson some testimonials that they're allowed to show off, a frequently asked questions page or a case studies page or some kind of literature or content that shows like social proof, that's often the biggest objection a salesperson will get is, hey, everything you said sounds great. Like, can you show me some proof? So if you, you can arm them with some content that would help them in that, in that sales moment. But before somebody gets to the sales process, you, you have to first get the lead. So now the question becomes, what kind of a funnel am I going to use to get to generate qualified leads that are then going to get directed to my sales process? And the question that I would have you ask is, what's something that you can, like a free resource some, that you could give to somebody? that it helps them solve a problem that in the process of solving that problem qualifies them to be a customer or a client. So for like, for example, I was talking to a mortgage broker last week. His sales process starts with an application form for the phone call in the first place, but he can't help somebody if they're not pre-qualified to get a loan. And so if he's talking to people that are, there's no way they're going to get pre-qualified. He's wasting his time on those, on the call, right? So in his case, what would a great way to generate leads is to give them some information on how to get pre-qualified. Like just give them that training up front. Hey, here's what you need to do. Here's how you clean up your credit score. Here's the forms you're going to need. And then when you have all this stuff ready, reach out to us and we'll, we'll process your application. And we'll get you pre-approved. But if you don't have these things, like we're not going to be able to help you. So whatever the things are that qualify somebody as your client helps them build some trust with them, and it's valuable enough that they would give you your, their contact info, that's what you use to build your email list. So for some of you, it, that becomes a worksheet or a checklist. For some of you, it's, it's a webinar. For some of you, it's like a free assessment or a quiz. Like Again, there's no one-size-fits-all, but I hope I'm like at least passing on the way of thinking so that somebody can decide which type of mechanism makes sense for them. Right. What I like is we we're go, if we go down the rabbit hole here, it's kind of like a reverse rabbit hole. When, when I'm like, hey, let's talk content marketing. It's like, we actually have to go to the end first. You know, we the first things we started talking about, like, well, what are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? And then you take a step backwards from there. And it's, you know, how do you convert the sale? And how are you take, thinking about the transition from the content to the sale? And then, so like, let's keep stepping back out and go up this reverse rabbit hole, if you will. Yep. So we are, we've thought about what we're trying to accomplish. We've built a some type of sales engine some, and then some way on top of that of like getting their information uh, which is this lead magnet mm-hmm. what is now let's back out to the content piece here the the piece between you know generating like just creating something versus generating some kind of interest what are some good strategies for creating content and and because it's such a there's so many options out there and way and ways to create 
let's get into the actual top of the food chain here, if you will. Sure, sure. Yeah, and, and there's a couple parts to this because one is like, what are you actually going to say? Okay, what are the topics you're going to cover in your content? What's well, like, what's your message that actually attracts your clients? So that's one part is the message itself. The other part is in what format? Is that going into an article or is that going into a video or is that going into a podcast episode or an ad? Whatever the case is. So th- those are like the two, the two decisions. We can unpack both if you want, but I'll, I'll start with the one of like how to choose the topics. Again, if you know who your perfect client is, and I recommend that like you actually have a profile or a persona of who you're trying to attract as an ideal client, how you help them, what's the outcome that you help them accomplish? What are all of the questions that they have about that thing that you help them with? What are the challenges that they face? What are the fears they have about it? What are the beliefs that they have about it? What's the goal they're actually trying to accomplish? Like list all this stuff out. These become your talking points when you go and record that video or write that blog post. Like you could take one of the most commonly asked questions and do a whole guide on it or a whole video on it. That way, when you're putting the content out there, you're not just giving away like how-to advice, which is help. it's helpful to give people education. But if you're not tapping into like why they should even give you their attention in the first place, then they won't even stick around long enough to learn the how-to you know, advice that you're giving. So you, you have to tap into, hey, are you, are you dealing with this issue? Like, hey, have you experienced this problem? Um, hey, are you trying to get this goal? Or, you know, I've done this and I've helped other people do this. And this is the process that, that can help you get there. Got to kind of frame your content that way. And that'll help ensure that your content is attracting the kind of person that is a potential customer and it's repelling the people that it's not relevant to. And that's perfectly fine. Well, I do want to get into like what your favorite platforms are for you and then what you talk about for other people and how to choose before that, before that, one of the things you said that stood out to me was, you know, like create the content that you think that, you know, the questions that they might already have that that they're asking, solving some of these problems. What I imagine a lot of people are thinking is this stuff's been created already. There are already people that have answered this topic. They've and in quite some depth and not only in like a simple format, like a blog, like they've, they've gone through it on a blog, they've created videos, they've done hybrids, they've created, they've created all these resources. That's intimidating for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So what do you say mm-hmm. to that? How do you think about that? And that's very much going to be the case. Like whatever your thing is, you know, maybe you help people lose weight or get married. I don't know, but there's other people doing that. And like, there's only so many ways to skin a cat. Like, what's the expression? You, you know, like one guy who's doing really well right now, a guy named Chandler Bolt, self-publishing school. They help people publish books. Okay. The process of publishing a book, there's only so many ways you can spin that. Like, there's only so many ways you can teach people how to choose their book topic, write the outline, write the first draft, publish the damn thing and market the thing. Those steps don't change, right? So, He's given the same advice that everybody else that helps people publish books is giving. It's because the process is the same. So how do you stand out? If you're given the same advice that other people are giving, know that that's okay. That's probably going to be the case. But you're not the same person as that other person. And they're just based on personality alone or communication style alone or something about them is going to attract certain people and something about you is going to attract certain people. Like we could line up like 10 service providers or 10 businesses and then pick out a prospect who knows about all 10 of these businesses. Okay, so the awareness thing's covered. He, know, he, he knows all of them. All 10 of these businesses have case studies and client testimonials and they all, like, they all have a track record of doing the same thing. Well, who's he going to pick? Who's the prospect going to pick? Probably the one that he likes the most. So um, 
just be you. And if like you got 10 competitors that are saying the same stuff and offer the same thing, that's okay. That's exactly why you produce content in the way that in your style, with your stories that you have, in your personality, and you'll repel the people that, that they relate to that other person over there better. And you'll attract the ones that just, they like you. And I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. And what's funny is I think that there's, there's so many people out there who are teaching and who are trying to help people like move forward in something. And when someone discovers you, they come across you, they, I think the idea is they still want to know that, that, that you know what you're talking about and that you have some plan or some ideas on how to help them. If you don't put that out there, they're not going to know your process, even if it's the same process as other people. But what's funny is what I see is valuable. And why I like having conversations like this is I get to dive into your brain a little bit and find out like everyone's got their own interpretation of like the path. And, you know, they call it frameworks. They call it, you know, my steps or whatever. And then you can take all the things you've learned and say, okay, well, if I had to pick the things that are important, how would I explain it? And the way you digest it and explain it is that ends up being uniquely you because you think about things in your way, which I love because I'm like, I can ask, I can talk to another content marketing person tomorrow. It's a completely different conversation. And I think that's, that's the best part about like finding people that you, you resonate with and, and trying to learn from as many people as possible. For sure. For sure. And, and if, you can, if you can articulate what you do in a unique way and you've created a framework and you've given it a special name, absolutely that helps you stand out. That's a huge part of personal branding is just taking your expertise and packaging it in a way that's different from the way that other people have packaged it. Like you may have be helping people do the same thing, you know, like there's only so many ways to set up a Facebook ad or write a blog post, but giving your process a special name, like uh, all instantly makes you stand out. And then also like if you share your own stories and your own examples and your own metaphors, like, and that's baked into the, the how-to advice that you put out there, nobody can copy that stuff. Like somebody, nobody can steal your story that's uniquely yours or talk about your client that you helped. Like they can't do that. They can rip off your advice, but they can't rip off the the real examples and stories that you have. So any chance you get to put a, an actual story into the advice you're given will help you to stand out as well. Yeah. And I think sometimes the, like, I like the word framework, but I think sometimes it's confusing for people. But I say, if you, if you can think about, like, even if you had to ever, like, how would I write a book? right? About something like a topic that is of interest to someone. A lot of like the best advice I heard that like opened my eyes to how to do something like that was just figure out, okay, well, what's the thing to your point, what are you trying to solve? Just write down every ingredient you would think of in trying to solve that problem. Just make a list of them. And after you make that list, go through and say, okay, what are the important things in this list? What do you know, what can you group together and then start to figure out how would, would you explain the things on that list to somebody? Yep. And that's, that's you creating original work over time because you're, you're just using the things you've brought in and you're like in your head saying, what are all the things people need to know? And for sure, that's the starting point for a lot of this. So, I mean, I, I can geek out on the, the content stuff all day. <laughs> I do want to get into the, the channels themselves, the, like, the, sure. the ways we create because there's so many places we can do this uh, and so many barriers and, and also opportunities across the way, across all these platforms. So maybe we could talk about some of the things that, that you like that's that's out there, the opportunity you see um, for people creating right now? So the, the main three types of content are your written content, your video content, your audio content. Um, I mean, you could throw visuals in there too as a fourth, I suppose, like images. I but, say it the same way. I'm always like, oh yeah, there's visuals, but... Yeah, eh. but those are usually supported by like 
a written post or, or, or you know, it's, it, you, can't, you can't just throw an image without any context. So the context requires more content. So of those big three, you need to ask yourself, like, what do you actually have the resources and the skill sets to pull it off properly with? Okay, if you're not a writer and you're not interested in hiring writers, don't tackle that. If you're great at talking, don't want to be on camera, maybe podcasting is the best approach for you. And if you're comfortable or you're willing to get in front of a, a video and you want to be the face of your brand or the face of your business, then doing video content could make sense for you. So ask yourself, like, which one are you the most excited and kind of naturally inclined to create if you're the, in fact, going to be the creator of this content? But, and then given the choice between all three, like if you, if you could say, yes, I could do any of these or all of these, in 2020 and beyond, I would definitely say start with video because video is what people are consuming the most of. Like the majority of the traffic online is people streaming videos and watching videos. All the social platforms want their users to stay on their platform and watch videos. So LinkedIn's given, given you really good reach if you put videos there. Facebook gives you really good reach if you put videos. So I would say start with video. And then if you want to do the other stuff, do it uh, by repurposing. Like take your video and when the video is done, get it transcribed and give it to a writer and have them do the article. Or strip the audio and give it to a podcast editor and make it an episode for your podcast. But the best use of your time as the face of your business and as the person that has the expertise is to jump in front of the camera yourself. Plus, it's really cheap to advertise videos right now. Like the cost to get somebody to watch a video when you put some ad dollars behind it, whether you do that on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, like it's it's like down to a few cents to get, you know, a viewer of a video. So you can grow your audience fast. Like if you compare that to trying to grow a blog from scratch with no ad budget or starting or growing a podcast with no promotion and you've got a budget that you're willing to spend to promote your stuff. If you take that budget and spend it on promoting video content, that money stretches a lot further. Well, yeah, I com- I completely agree. I love the way you frame that for everyone. And I do selfishly, as, as someone who loves podcasting, want to dive into that specifically, especially because I met, you know, I got to see you. I got to see you actually on a panel at a podcast convention called PodFest yeah. talking about, I think it was, well, you were on two panels, so I mean, there's a few, but the, this was about so how to leverage social media for podcasting. I want to get into podcasting in a minute before that, you're out there offering your help to people and with this kind of stuff, with creating content, with content marketing and strategy, with building the, the tools they need to do this successfully. Tell me a little bit about how you help people and where people listening can find you. Sure. Um, so my, my business partner, Chuck, and I, we have an agency uh, called Influencer Studio. We do content marketing uh, as a service. And so what that means is We'll take somebody's content that they're already creating. We'll do the repurposing and promotion for them to help build their audience. Once they've got an audience, we can run ads to get leads from that audience, like retargeting campaigns and stuff. So those are our services. Uh, if somebody is not quite ready to just jump, like dive headfirst into growing their audience and, and spending money on, on ads and stuff, because going back to like what's closest to the money of having a sales process and having a, a, the right funnel, if those things aren't, aren't there, we'll work with them like a, a, in a kind of a con- consulting capacity, get that stuff built, and then hand them over to do the content marketing and the ad management stuff. Um, those are the services we provide. We're, gonna, we're putting out a lot more training this year too. So like we put out some free training, a lot of free resources, and we're working on a course as well that we'll have to like teach this, this content marketing stuff to other, to other businesses. You asked how they can find us. 
find me on social media, Tyler Basu. I'm the only guy with this name. You can find me pretty easily. And our website is, uh, is influenceandscale.com. There's some free resources there that you can grab if you want to learn about content marketing. It helps to have a name that no one else has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found not too long ago, I came across, because my last name, Basu, is uh, that's from my grandfather who's from India. So this is a Bengali name. There's no like Tyler Basu in the world because it's a white first name and a Bengali last name. I found some white guy with the last name Basu in America, some journalist. He had a different first name than me, but literally the only other white person I've seen on planet Earth that had the same last name as me. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I thought I was the only Berkmeyer for a while and then uh, it's, they started popping up and then now there's another Brandon Berkmeyer and yeah. you know, he's a lot younger than me. So our, our feeds look very different if you <laughs> get my drift, but yeah. yeah, man, that's that's fun. You can go find him on social media or go to his website, influenceandscale.com and uh, work with him if you're looking for some expert to work with to, to help you with this kind of stuff. So uh, Tyler, obviously getting to a place where you can help people with this kind of stuff. I like that. I mean, I like to talk to a lot of people who like they were doing marketing since like college and that was like their entire job forever. And that's my story. But I like uh-huh. that you were, a lot of people could identify that you were out there building content for actual real companies. You were in real estate for a while. You worked at a, a course creation company. Tell me a little bit about like why this started to catch your interest uh, and why this is something that you've decided to keep diving into. Yeah. Um, I got into this field sort of by accident. Like it was a hobby at first, like creating content was a hobby for me coming out of college and getting into real estate. I worked as a realtor and I was selling stuff for developers. And it was in that period of my life from about 22 to 25 years old that I was going to seminars. And then somebody at this one seminar said, it's not about who you know. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know and who knows you. I'm like, oh man, nobody knows who I am. Nobody. So like to solve that problem, I started a blog and started writing articles. And then I started a podcast and started interviewing entrepreneurs. And then I uh, published a couple ebooks on Amazon. And like, so by 2015, I had created enough content where to like, that I was decent at it, but it was still just a hobby. I was still working as a realtor. And so in 2015, just before my son was born, I decided, you know what? I like this content stuff better. This is more exciting to me than doing open houses on the weekends. And so I made the decision to leave real estate, started a, a digital magazine, uh, so that was my first attempt at charging a subscription for content. Burned through all my savings within like a few months trying to get that thing going and then ended up like looking for work, doing creating content for other businesses. So that led to getting the job offer at Thinkific, which is the online course software company. I worked as their content manager for three years, produced hundreds of pieces of content during that time. Tens of thousands of leads and thousands of customers all came in. By the time I left Thinkific, they were up to over like 30,000 customers and they, and they haven't even, even hired a salesperson yet. All those customers came through content, free trials, partnerships, word of mouth. Those were like the main four sources of customers. So that's where I really like cut my teeth and learned how to not create content as a hobby, but actually be accountable to, hey, is this bringing in traffic? Is this bringing in leads? Is this content getting people to sign up for our software? And having to like, create those frameworks and those processes for how to do this profitably. And then after my second child was born, my daughter was when I started making the plans to like go back to doing my own thing. And so it was in beginning of 2019, January, 2019 was my last day on the job where I jumped into running the agency with my partner, Chuck full time. Yeah, man. I love the guys over at Thinkific. That's a, it's a legit company now, like these days. So it's cool that you were there to see it, to see it start. Oh yeah, it's a great company, man. There's over a hundred people there now. 
most of the people that I used to work with there, uh, like early days, like I was employee number 12. In that year, there was a hiring spree for the marketing. So like the marketing team grew from like two people to like 10 or 15 people in that year. And all, and then most of those people are now off doing their own thing. It's like, it was basically working at Thinkific was like this incubator for all of these people that are off running their own, running their own businesses now that I've, I've become really good friends it's with. It's hard to watch, like it's hard to meet all these interesting people and because the, the, it's a course creation company. So everyone you're meeting as clients are people creating courses. It's hard to do that and not want to create courses yourself and create content yourself. You, you bring up a really good point because when, when I left Thinkific, there was the temptation for me to jump straight into creating a course. But one of the things I, I observed about Thinkific's most successful clients because there's this wave of people creating courses online right now, thousands, like hundreds of thousands of courses being created. And most of them aren't, aren't going to make much money. Like I've, I've seen data on this. Most course creators, just like most bloggers or most YouTubers or most people who write a book, like the majority of the revenue goes to the, to the smaller percentage of that, of the people in that market. So I paid attention to like out of Thinkific's most successful clients, what did they actually do right? And most of them, before they created their course, built a real business selling services or freelancing or working with people one-on-one. They didn't like wake up and decide, I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to sell courses. They like went and helped people first and worked with people. And that was how they developed their content and proved that their stuff worked and got their case studies. And then they worked their way to creating their course when they felt like when, when they had like kind of tapped out working with people one-on-one. So I, I took that same approach when I left Thinkific. As much as I wanted to create content, I had created courses before. I was like, I love to create it. I decided, you know what? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell services first. I'm going to go out there and, and actually establish a track record of helping other people get results, take, a bunch, take clients through all these calls and all my frameworks and all my ideas for how I think things we should do this stuff. And then when I feel like I've proven that, all that this stuff works and I have proven that I can transfer knowledge to another person. That's when I'll go and create a course. So yeah, now that like, it's like a year and a half later that I've been selling services. And now like, I'm just starting to put together an online course now, but having tested my stuff on real clients. Awesome. man. So I mean, I love the background. I love that you, I, the approach is the way I think about it too. When I want to help someone, when I want to coach, I'm like, you know, what I really want to do is work one-on-one with people. So I understand my process. I want to understand like, how am I helping people? How do I make it better? So that once I've got it, like I've refined it, I've had the time to make it better and refine it and work the kinks out to where I can show consistent delivery of results. And when I get to a point where I can deliver something consistently, then it makes sense. I'm like, yeah, you start and move to groups and then move to, yeah, like chart out what you've done and see if you can automate and all that. But I think if you jump to it too soon, you don't know if that's actually going to help people. And that's a lot of time it takes to create something like that, man. So I love that approach. I love that approach. Yeah, it's uh, it's more work, you know, and it's, it might be less exciting than jumping straight to creating, you know, creating a course or creating content. But like, just because you did something a certain way and it worked for you, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for somebody else. So I, I, I think that you should do yourself the service of proving that you can transfer your process to another person before you teach it to them, like work with them in maybe a one-on-one kind of a way or as a service provider, as a freelancer, and just to prove that it's transferable and that it works for somebody else. Uh, and then you go and teach it. 
because otherwise you're going to end up teaching people things and there's going to be there's going to be gaps in your content. They're going to get stuck and you're not going to know why they're getting stuck because you never like got the feedback loop from somebody that you worked with in, in real time. Yeah, man. No, absolutely. So the, the thing I thought I was teasing a little bit earlier is, you know, as a big fan of podcasting myself, obviously I have a podcast show. The reason I fell in love with it, cause I tried, you know, I did, tried writing, I tried doing videos and lives and everything else. But podcasting is the one that I feel like I could turn on and just go because conversations come very naturally to most of us. So I think for, for a lot of people out there, if I had to put a you know, proportion to it, I think the majority, the easier thing is going to be just turning on a microphone for a lot of people. So for me, I'm like, how can I help as many people do this as possible? However, what I'd say is to your point about video being more effective, great. My problem I found with podcasting is it is not built on the backbone of something like a Google that helps its creators. So, you know, you create a video on YouTube, the search engine they've built is amazing. They help people find your video. You write a blog, Google search helps people find what you've written. Podcasting doesn't have that same like helpful tool. Like it's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on Google Play, but the the searchability of the stuff you've created isn't, isn't coming, uh, isn't bringing your stuff to as many people. So, and I, so you've gotten to talk about how do you help promote your shows, you know, at some of these conventions, how do you think is a good way to start getting the word out? Say, this is how you want to create. What's a good way to start taking what you've created and helping people find it. Yeah. If, if, if your primary form of content is a podcast episode, there's definitely extra onus on you to promote it. Cause as you said, just the way that the technology set up, and now there's, I heard, over a million podcasts as of like a few weeks ago in the world now. The chances of somebody searching for a keyword on iTunes and finding you, like it's just not really set up that way so great. So you really got to take control over promoting your show. So I, the answer is repurposing. Like, you know, take clips out of your show, take some of the quotes from your episode and go make like an audiogram, you know, one of those videos that where you hear the voice from the episode or the sound from the episode. Put that on social, pull quotes, like put them into images, put those on social, do a really good show notes page or turn it into an article and get that on your blog with where you embed the episode. And like, you got to take control of how you're going to promote your show. I've thought through this quite a bit because without giving it too much thought, I used to think podcasts belong at the top of the funnel. It's where you're building awareness. But then I questioned myself on that and I realized, well, have I like discovered anybody that way? You know, have I ever actually gone and done a search and la- and landed on a podcast and that was how I first discovered somebody? Or did I discover them on social media or on YouTube or on a blog post first and then learn that they had a podcast and then subscribe to their podcast? So in that sense, the podcast kind of belonged in the middle of the funnel. I already knew who that person was and I made a conscious choice that I want to, I want to figure out, I want to learn more from them. I want to like subscribe to their show until I like them and trust them enough that I'm going to buy from them. Last year, 2019, I spent probably over, I think 30K just on one company, on, on, on their masterminds and courses and like everything they had. I bought it all. And I asked myself, how did I become their customer? Did I like see an ad and go through a funnel and book a call? Not really. Saw an ad, saw another ad, saw another ad, started kind of spying on them, started following them on social grabbed some of their free resources, found out they had a podcast, binge listened to their podcast for like six months. Then I pulled the trigger on one of their products. So 
the podcast in that sense didn't help me become aware of them. It helped me feel like I was building a relationship with them. And when they had put so much value into me as a podcast listener, they gave me so much great content. I felt like I knew these guys, even though I never met them in person. There was just such a high level of trust that I was willing to drop that kind of money on buying, on buying their stuff. So if your goal is like, I want to grow my audience, possibly podcasting is like one of the harder ways to do that. But if your goal is, I want to nurture the audience and go deeper on that relationship and earn their trust over a few weeks or over a few months so that they feel comfortable buying from me, I think podcasting is probably one of the best, one of the, if not the best way to do that. I don't know if that was the answer you were, you, were, you were looking for, but just again, as a recap, like, yeah, you got to promote your, your podcast episodes, man. Don't expect, don't hit publish and hope people are going to find it. And then you treat it like, the, like somewhere in the middle of your funnel where you're, you're nurturing the audience that already knows who you are with your content. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the better ways I've heard it put. And I think the idea, you know, what I like is you can use it as your content engine, right? You need something that mm-hmm. you can create that's easy for you to create from so that you actually continue to do it all the time. So for me, it's easy to create a podcast, but I don't rely on the podcast to generate discovery. I rely on what I take from it and put out there into the world to bring them into my world. So it's like, okay, I take a video clip. I take a, you know, I take a blog post, whatever the things are, those are bringing people into my world. And to your point, if they then get onto my email list, they see something offer on a Facebook ad, whatever the things are, I now have something also that's not just my content engine. It is also my nurturing tool along, you know, for people to get to know me better. So, you know, like, but to your point, yeah, I don't think, I think if that was your only plan is just to create a podcast and, you know, build it and they will come. I think you, you've missed the boat. Yeah. And even going back to that guy who built it and got a million listeners, you know, there was, there was no path for those listeners to become a customer. So like, don't, don't make that mistake either. Have the plan for the growth of your audience, which is going to require promoting your podcast because you're not the only podcast uh, in the world. There's lots of them now. And then also the plan for how to guide that audience that now knows you and likes you and trusts you. Okay. How do you get them to, to consider your product or service. Love it, man. Well, I know we're coming towards the, the back of the show here. So I uh, just want to give you say, first of all, say thank you for coming on, man. I, I love diving in and nerding out about content, but also some podcasting stuff. I had to squeeze that in. So thank you for going sure. down the road <laughs> with me on that. And is there anything you want to leave the listeners with before you go? Uh, no, and this, this was a pleasure. Um, again, don't let perfectionism stop you. Like just create stuff, even if it's not perfect, like get the feedback, get real feedback. And then improve and refine what you're doing accordingly. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to feel free to reach yeah, out. Yeah, I definitely recommend you guys check out Tyler Basu. You can see his comments, uh, his content out there. If you follow him on social or go to influenceandscale.com to learn more about him and his company. Thanks for coming on, man. And uh, I appreciate you. Catch you next time. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to not just help you build a business, but build a brand. Head over to brandandbrands.com for more resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandandbrands.com.